Hey, everybody, and welcome to season two of the All About Everest podcast. And I'm your host, Pauline Reynolds Nuttall. On this podcast, you can get anything and everything about Mount Everest, including interviews, book recommendations, tips, updates, and a whole lot more. So welcome to the spring 2023 Everest climbing season. And here we go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the All About Everest podcast, which is a review and discussion about the documentary Finding Michael. I have a couple interviews coming up, and so I needed to find a topic that wasn't an interview. I've been wanting to do this one for a while since I first heard about the documentary, but it's a completely different perspective on the Everest experience. You'll recognize a couple people from the documentary and it really makes me think about Everest in general and how a climber's story isn't necessarily just about the climber themselves, but everyone around them. Jason Black and I had had a really good discussion about death on Everest and how, and also about how the families are a big part of the climbing experience. The people who stay at home, the people who wait for you to come back. And I've talked a lot about a lot of the deaths on Mount Everest but not so much how it impacts people. I think it's a very important topic that needs to be covered, and that's why I'm so glad that they did the documentary, Finding Michael. I am just making a quick edit to this episode. Apparently, not only did it not post timely, I had it pre-scheduled, but there are some serious issues with some of the audio. It goes up and down loud and quiet. Thank you so much, Lisa Leapier, for leaving me a message on Spotify so that I was aware of this situation. I tried editing it and I cannot make it better, so I apologize in advance. So not really housekeeping stuff, but stuff in general. I am really excited about the interview I have scheduled for next week's episode. I don't normally tell you guys just in case the interview falls through um, who the episode is going to be with, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you this time because I'm really excited about it. On Monday, I have an interview scheduled with Alan Arnett, and I'm going to say that 99% of you guys that listen have heard of Alan because you follow the Everest season or you're a mountaineer, you're very familiar with Alan's coverage and familiar with Alan as a mountaineer. He is really well known in the mountaineering community. Um, And so I'm really, really excited to do this interview. It's scheduled for Monday at lunchtime, which is super awesome because a lot of my interviews I've had to wake up at like 3 a.m., 5 a.m. to do. And with Alan, I don't need to do that because we're in the same time zone. So I'm pretty excited. 
the other reason why I'm excited to do this interview with Alan is because I have a bucket list of people that I want to interview for the podcast. There were five names on it. And those were Cami Rita Sherpa, Alan Arnett, Conrad Anker, Reinhold Messner, and Russell Bryce. Those are the five names on my podcast bucket list. I've already interviewed Cami. Alan's next. So I hope to get all five of them maybe by the end of the year. We'll see. But I'm really looking forward to it. Ellen has a lot of wonderful insight to Everest in general. Not only has he climbed it, but he's the one who does all of the coverage. He's almost everybody's go-to to follow what's going on, not only on Mount Everest, but in the Himalayas. And I really want to get into his perspective of some of the problems that are on the mountain. And Alan always interviews everybody else. Nobody ever interviews him. So I think it's going to be a really fun interview. If you haven't already, check out our Patreon. I should have more stuff uploaded tonight. And then it will continue to be ongoing and current. While I was working on the Patreon account, I realized that I want a portion of my proceeds, not just from the Patreon, but also from the ads and some of the other things that I have going on with the podcast. I want it to go to a nonprofit and I want that nonprofit. I, I want it to be something that benefits the mountaineering community. And I was looking at maybe where I wanted it to go. There's a bunch of nonprofits out there that um, do a lot of work in Nepal that um, help a lot of the families of Sherpas who pass away in the mountains. And then I came up with this idea for a nonprofit that's not currently out there, but I think could be a really good thing for the mountaineering community. It's right in the planning stages. It's just an idea that is currently going down on paper. But you guys, I, I want you to stay tuned because it's something that I'm really passionate about and it will help a lot of people in the mountaineering community. I really want to focus on those who are left behind by the tragedies that happen in the mountains directly and also inadvertently and i want to help with that healing so stay tuned everybody while i continue on the planning phases of this nonprofit. as you guys know my family is really outdoorsy we camp backpack hike off-road kayak you name it that is our outdoor adventure we're going through gear all of the time. Either it's worn out, lost, broken, or the kids just outgrow it. We are a family, so we're constantly needing new gear. And the best way for me to find new gear, especially for those smaller things, is by subscribing to the Nomadic monthly subscription box. It starts as low as $29.99. And the May box was fantastic. It came with the Wazoo cash cap, perfect fit for my husband 
and it has six pockets. Green Goo Pain Relief Salve. It is a lifesaver. The Tick Patrol Tick Remover. It's tick season, and hey, if you do not remove ticks properly, it can be so much more worse. Wool Aid Emergency Pack. I did not know that they make Band-Aids out of merino wool. The Nomadic Card Multi-Tool. I just switched cars, got a brand new one, so that went right into my glove compartment. And every once in a while, Nomadic includes new food items to try. And so we tried the Tosi Super Bites Cashew Blueberry flavor, and it was delicious. And as a perk for listening to the podcast, if you use the code NOMADIC at checkout, you will get 10% off. So thank you, Nomadic, and you can find the link in the description of this episode. All right, everybody, now on to the rest of the episode. I decided that today's topic was going to be the documentary Finding Michael. I had mentioned this documentary earlier in the year. I think it was the tail end of January, beginning of February, when I talked about all of the documentaries that were coming out in 2023 that had to do with Mount Everest. And I was really intrigued by it because it's not your typical Everest documentary. It's more like a tribute. And I just want to remind anyone, if you have not seen it, this episode will have spoilers about the documentary. So you may or may not want to continue to listen. And if you don't continue to listen because you don't want spoilers, I completely understand. Finding Michael is definitely a tribute documentary, very similar in its fill to the documentary The Last Mountain that came out in 2021. I don't know if you've watched that documentary, but The Last Mountain is a tribute to Tom Ballard and his mother, Allison. So Allison Hargreaves died in 1995 on K2. And in 2019, Tom Ballard died on Nanga Parbat. Tom's sister in this documentary relives this and goes back to where Tom died, just like her and her dad and Tom had done when Allison had died in 1995. Very emotional documentary, which highlights a lot of the death that happens in the mountaineering world, but also a lot of the celebration and the accomplishments. And Finding Michael has a very similar feel. The documentary Finding Michael is essentially his brother's journey to trying to find him. Spencer Matthews, who's a very well-known TV personality in Great Britain, he decides that he needs to go and find his brother. A couple years previously, someone had sent his family a photograph of a deceased person on Mount Everest whose clothing matched what his brother had been wearing. Michael Matthews had died in 1999 on Mount Everest. At the time, he had become the youngest person 
from Great Britain to summit Mount Everest, breaking the record that had been set the previous year by Bear Grylls, which we've had Bear on the podcast. Seven minutes, but we had Bear on the podcast. And Bear, um, he's one of the executive producers of this documentary, as well as he is featured on there. He spends some time with Spencer talking to him about the mountain. And Spencer decides to take this journey to leave everything behind to try to find his brother and bring him home. As we know, death is a huge part of being on Mount Everest. It's a likelihood. It could absolutely happen. It could happen on any mountain in the Himalayas or any of the really high big mountains that you may not come back for whatever reason, illness, incident, accident, death is a likelihood. And at the very beginning of the documentary, when he's talking to Bear Grylls, Bear's telling him, you support the team that is going to find your brother. You don't need to go up on the mountain. Your family doesn't need to lose another son. Your wife doesn't need to lose you. Neither do your three little kids. Because just before Spencer headed out to Mount Everest, his third child was born. And I understand why Spencer wanted to like physically go look for his brother. But on the other hand, I'm glad that Bear convinced him not to. Because, again, it's such a reality on that mountain. And he didn't have the experience that other mountaineers have. He worked with Nims Day, Nims Persia, who did another awesome documentary. If you haven't watched it, 14 Peaks, found on Netflix, which... I'm sure all of you guys have watched it. It's become one of the movies to watch in the mountaineering world. But he works with Nims on trying to find his brother. Another person that Spencer visited before he heads out to Mount Everest is David Rodney from Canada, who was his brother's climbing partner. And David goes over what Spencer or what Michael was wearing some of his last moments, um, the trip to Mount Everest, and gives more of a background to Michael's story of climbing the mountain and Michael's expedition. So Spencer goes on the trek to base camp, and he's basically going in his brother's footsteps And reliving what his brother went through as he was heading on his Everest expedition. And they're in base camp. And the whole team gets together to discuss what the plan is. And this was kind of, for me, this was the first heart-wrenching moment of the whole film. I got a little teary-eyed when Spencer is talking to his family about his expedition and his goal to find Michael. 
but I really teared up when they're at base camp. He's with Nims and the whole crew, and he pulls out these pictures of his brother, Michael. Um, he shows them a suit similar to what his brother was wearing and this photo that had been sent to his family that could potentially be Michael. And as they're standing there discussing this and whatever, one of the team says something in Nepali and the look on Spencer's face when Nims tells him, no, we can verify right now before we even head out that this is not your brother. This is an Indian climber. This is not your brother. And just the look on Spencer's face that they had just started and already, you know, his hopes were kind of dashed. It, it was really, I mean, I mean, I started tearing up right away. And the other thing that I realized as I was watching that scene is that, you know, this whole team of like 10 people were getting together to try to recover Michael's remains. Recovery of a deceased individual of a body from Mount Everest or any of the really high mountains, it is extremely expensive. It is extremely dangerous and it's time consuming. And one of the things about this documentary is they really get into how hard it is to recover someone who has died on Mount Everest. And it makes you understand why so many people have been left up there why there are over 200 dead bodies still left on the mountain. So after the search team and Spencer have met together and it's been, de been determined that the person in the photograph is not Michael, they plan for the rest of this search and rescue. They're looking for Michael's body between the South Summit and the balcony. Uh, that's where they had determined that he had disappeared. The story goes that he was with his climbing Sherpa who was in front of him because it was getting rough coming down. They had already summited and his climbing partner turned around and Michael was gone. And so the search they're not searching on the trail. They're going off trail, off of the fixed ropes onto the sides to try to find Michael. And one of the things is, is even though he was wearing a red down suit at the time because of the sun and the weather and the elements in time, because it had been almost 25 years, it doesn't mean that the suit was actually red they did have some ideas and this team of 10, they go and they head up the mountain with a couple of drones. So while the team is up there, um, they do have a couple of leads and it's determined that those bodies do not belong to Michael. There was one in particular that they had their hopes up and they thought it was him. And then when they checked the watch, 
uh, it wasn't the watch that Michael had been wearing. And Spencer is down at base camp. He's with the comms and the radios are not working at all. And you see his frustration with not knowing, not knowing what's going on. And that not knowing, it seems to be a theme when it comes to Mount Everest and the family members. A lot of the times there's radio silence. Families have no idea what's going on. Um, like they don't know if their family member is alive, if they're in danger, if something horrible has happened and radios, they don't always work on Mount Everest. There's sometimes a lot of interference and I'm glad that they brought that part into it and they showed it. I don't think they intended to, but the whole thing with the radios in 96, it was an issue. It was an issue in 2006. And it's been one of those continuous issues. Like the minute that you don't have communication, it puts whoever's on the mountain even more at risk. So I'm glad that they showed that part as well. The team decides to come down. Um, they still haven't found Michael. And when they come down, they do have a discussion with Spencer and Spencer decides that maybe they may not be able to find Michael. The team's going to go back one more time, but because he has the resources and they're already doing this, maybe if they can't find Michael, they can bring closure to another family and bring down somebody else's remains, preferably that, uh, that of someone who is from the Sherpa community. So Spencer is going through the lists of those that have died on Mount Everest and consulting with his team. And there's one body that they know of for sure where it's at. It's by Camp 4, and it's that of... Wang Dorji Sherpa, who died in 2021 with the Russian team from the Seven Summits Club. And Spencer jumps on a helicopter. He goes to Kathmandu to talk to this family. Again, another very gut-wrenching moment. He's sitting with Wang Dorsey Sherpa's family with his mother and his brother and Spencer tells them, look, you know, I'm looking for my brother, but if I can't find him, is it okay if I, if we can, can we bring him down instead? And it's such an emotional moment. And his brother is talking about how, it's very rare that they can afford, the Sherpa community can afford to retrieve bodies because the insurance companies aren't very helpful. This is a very poor community. And for Spencer to be able to do this, I don't know a better word for it, this mitzvah, this good deed, I don't think he understood at the time what a big deal it was. This is something that doesn't seem to happen very often, 
especially in this poor community. And more than a third of the deaths on Mount Everest, it's someone from the Sherpa community. The man's mother is so overwhelmed with emotion that she has to leave the room. And then the viewers discover that not only did Wing Dorji Sherpa die on Mount Everest, his wife had died a year or two before him, leaving three little children who are now orphans. And for Spencer to decide to do this, again, absolutely life-changing, but if he hadn't stepped in to make this offer, it would never have happened. And he'd asked them, well, would it have happened, you know, could have happened? And they're like, no, we're too poor. The insurance won't help. This won't happen. And it's just another, you know, tissue moment. It just shows what a difference there is between the Western climbers and those who are working as high altitude porters and guides from the Sherpa community. There's that disconnect because the Western insurances, you pay that amount. There are repercussions if in your insurance agreement, it says if I die between camp one and two or camp two and three, this is what you'll do for me. That's why people pay insurance and, and make those decisions beforehand. But for this community to not even have that opportunity, it shows a little bit that divide between these two different populations, these two different groups. And I talked a little bit about it when I did my interview with Cami Rita Sherpa last week. Another scene in the documentary really made me start thinking, and that's when Spencer is reviewing the drone footage from the first time they went up to look. And he comments about how massive the mountain is. And when they're looking at all of these bodies that they can see on the mountain, they're just teeny tiny specks. And really, it's like a needle in a haystack, these searches. And when you think about it, yes, there are bodies that are right off of the path. There are ones that people are well aware of. They know that they're there. And then there's people that have never been found. Even this most recent season, there were four people, I believe, that they have no idea what happened to them. They do not know where they died on the mountain, where they disappeared. They have no idea. And so with a mountain that massive, it can be very difficult. I mean, look how long it took for them to find George Mallory, and they still haven't found Sandy Irvine. They may never find him just because of the snow and the crevasses and things like that. So the team, they're back up there. They again have a couple of leads and 
spoiler alert, they're unable to find Michael. However, they do decide to bring down Wang Dorchi. And it's so beautiful seeing the journey of this team bringing down his body, um, loading it into the helicopter for Katmandu, Wing Dorchi's family being around the body, being able to do the cremation ceremony. And, and it just, even though I'm sure Spencer and his family were devastated at the time you can feel kind of the peace that it brought not only to Wayne Dorchi's family, but also to Spencer's family and closure because even though he didn't find Michael, Spencer was able to bring peace to someone else and his family reiterates at the very end that, Michael would have wanted this to happen. Michael would have wanted the family to heal and he would have wanted them to help Wing Dorchi's family because again, without Spencer, they would not have that closure. Um, it's very emotional at the end. Again, another tissue moment. Overall, it was an excellent documentary that really focuses on death and dying on, on on Mount Everest, but not on the death itself, but how it affects those who are left and those who are left behind. And it's very important that we see that side of the story as well. Because as I had talked to Jason Black about, you know, it's it's not just the, the climbers and the mountaineers it's those that support them and those who are left behind that are affected as well. And Jason kept telling me, no, no, my wife is the hero. She needs to be interviewed because without her. And I think that's something that was cemented a little bit more with me with this documentary. And I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, and I'll mention it again. If you did like Finding Michael you should watch The Last Mountain. Very good film and also a beautiful tribute film just like Finding Michael. I know that I talk a lot about death and dying on Mount Everest and it's a common topic in any of the podcast episodes that are out there about Mount Everest that, that people die up there and mountaineers and people who are climbing Mount Everest, they know this risk. They know it is a likelihood that it will happen. I can't remember which episode it was. Uh, it was on Kenton Cool's podcast, uh, Cool Conversations. It was one of the very first episodes that he did. He was talking to someone about death and dying on Mount Everest and he was like, you know, it's not that people choose it, but they know that it's a likelihood and it could happen. And all of the people that I've interviewed for the podcast, they've all lost someone or know someone um, that has died in the mountains and many of them on Mount Everest. 
I really respect that people have those conversations with their families beforehand and respect the fact that they know that that could happen. Again, we, we've talked about me not being able to to do that and I could not take that risk, but I respect those who can and those that do. And after this season with so many deaths, it just brings it to the forefront. Um, with Noel Hanna dying this year, how it affected so many of my friends, that brought it more to the forefront. And unfortunately, it's going to be something that I'll continue to talk about. But it's something that we should talk about, and it is very real. All right, that's it for this episode. Sorry it wasn't an interview. Next week, we have the interview with Ellen Arnett. Super excited about it, and I get a market off of my podcast bucket list. Until then, climb your own climb. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the All About Everest podcast. We would love it if you would rate, subscribe, and follow wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us on social media at All About Everest podcast or at Mama Bear Outdoors. You can support our podcast by subscribing to our Patreon or by buying us a coffee. Until next time.